So welcome to the Intern Whisperer. Our show is all about the future of work and innovation. Today's Intern Whisperer's tip of the week is remember to create a culture of inclusion means that employees have to feel like they have a voice in the workplace. They're more likely to share their opinions with others. You'll get really good feedback. It's going to help improve your organization. This starts with having intentional listening, suspending judgment, and quieting your mind and focus on what the other person is saying. That means you have to put the phone down. You need to provide undivided attention and truly concentrate on what that person is speaking to you. Welcome our guest to the show, Bob Dixon. Yay, Bob. Hi, thanks for having me. This is great. This is great because I don't often get to have two people back twice and you're in the rare club. I think it's Saturday night live where, you know, they have the five timers club right now. I have the two timers club. And so there's only a few people that have been on here less than five twice. And you are one of those people. I am humbled by that. I think you're awesome. (laughs) I like you. And the other one is Dr. Calvin Williams. He is over there at Indian River Lagoon Community College. He's been on twice. Also, I've had somebody else on twice. I can't think of who it is, but it'll come to me in a minute. But this show is all about you. So now we're changing the format around a little bit. And you're going to tell our listeners, I am going to hope that I am saying the name of the company correctly, Atarte? No, I can't even say it. Yeah, and not all of us speak uh, ancient Greece, uh, Greek. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's Arte Strategic Consulting. Arte Strategic. Okay, I can do the strategic consulting. The Arte, that one's a little tongue twister for me. I'll get there. Why that word? What does it mean? I, you know, when I first read that word, I really fell in love with it. It, it's, it means in, in ancient Greece, it, it, we first find it in Plato, and he talks about uh, excellence. Excellence is a virtue, excellence in all things, not just a very specific excellence, but excellence in life itself. And I thought, wow, what I like to help companies do is be excellent in all the things that they do as a strategic consultant uh, and as a leadership coach. And so the word fit so perfectly. And so I, I named the company after that. I like it. I like it a lot. I noticed that your logo has that kind of Greek feel to it with the typography. That was intentional, I imagine. It was. Hey, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's, it's there. I see it. All right. So tell us about yourself in five words and why those five words. Okay. Uh, I would say leader, a yeah, strategist, right? Because you are in this instance, <laughs> writing a book on leadership. So I'm glad that's yeah. your word. Yeah. So, so uh, I, I've always been a, a leader and I, I don't know that I was always in a leadership position, but if I wasn't, I was always leading somebody. And when I was younger, that was probably leading friends and peers into trouble. Uh, so I had to start putting that to good use. And I was able to do that over a career in the military. Uh, the next word would be uh, strategist, and that is is a uh, a way of thinking about the world uh, in a bigger, longer term way. And I learned how to do that 
in the military, but also with getting to speak with really, really smart people in academia and in business. Uh, so strategist is the second word. Uh, helper. I found that as a leader, my job got a lot easier. And, and let's, let's be upfront, I'm pretty lazy overall. So if I could make my organization run really well without my personal involvement, uh, that, that gave me more free time to do whatever it was I was gonna do. So helping people be their best, giving them the tools and the knowledge and the training that they needed to be their best at servicing our clients or our customers or doing their mission uh, gave me more free time, but I learned to love it. I learned to love helping people. Mm, yeah. You have to be, to be a leader, you also have to be a follower and a follower is sometimes a helper. So I agree with you totally. Uh, the, the fourth word is family. I, I, don't, I don't think I would be anywhere near the person I am without the, the family, both my, my uh, family I was born into, my parents were fantastic, and, uh, and the family that I have now. I have uh, a wife, Kim, and, and four wonderful children who are doing very, very well, super proud of them. But uh, to me, that, that, you know, it's, it's all worth it when I can come home at night and, and everybody's happy to see me, especially you know, the golden retriever, Daisy. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> she, I think she loves me most, but uh, yeah, family's that word. And, and the last one is learner. And I feel like I, I when I was uh, 18, I should have taken over the world because I knew everything. Uh, and then when I was 22, I realized I really didn't know a whole lot. Really? And uh, I, I, I started... I started, I, I actually started figuring some stuff out by the time I was about 26 or 27. Uh, I had a pretty good grasp on like the army thing. I, I did really well up into that point. And, and I'm like, I've got this. I'm really good at this. Uh, and then I had a, a moment where I learned that I was not the smartest guy in every room I ever walked into. And I was humbled by that. Uh, and, and to me, that moment opened up my eyes to the fact that I don't know a whole lot about the world and what I do know keeps changing. So I have to be a constant, constant learner. And, uh, and you know, we talk a little bit about that in the book. Okay, well, that sounds really awesome. You touched on a few things um, from just so our readers, they may not have heard you on the first episode, but just so our, I said our readers, our listeners actually will know more about you. If you wouldn't mind sharing, like, what was your journey like, whether it was high school to military or college to military or, you know, college to a career path? What was that like? And how did it, how did you end up where you are now? If yeah, that's it, years of experience. If the shortest line uh, between two points is, is a straight line, uh, the shortest path there, I did not take that path. Um, I enlisted in the Massachusetts Army National Guard when I was 17 because they offered free tuition to state schools. And I said, okay, I'll go to some school in Massachusetts. Uh, but then I was offered a scholarship to go to Florida. I went to Florida Institute of Technology under ROTC scholarship. So uh, while I had enlisted at 17, I wasn't commissioned in, in the military until I was about 22, uh, after I, I got my degree in physics at uh, Florida Tech. Uh, and, and before anybody thinks I'm really smart because I have a degree in physics, I barely got through. Uh, if I had been really smart as a college student, I probably would have found a better major that fit me better. <laughs> 
uh, I, I served in, in various places overseas and, and stateside and uh, grew up through the ranks and I uh, did a couple of, of operation, operational tours in Bosnia, uh, did some combat tours in Afghanistan and Iraq and uh, eventually found myself in Arkansas where we don't have a army base, but we do have a Corps of Engineer District. And I was an engineer officer. I was privileged uh, to be assigned as the commander of the district there. So I was responsible for the waterways and military construction in a good chunk of Arkansas and Southern Missouri. So that was kind of my journey in the military. And I learned all sorts of great things uh, in throughout that, uh, that whole period, which stretched to about 32 years from the time I enlisted uh, in, in 1987. Uh, so uh, I uh, left the military and I moved to Tampa, I got involved with a nonprofit here called Synapse, and they helped introduce me to a lot of the people in Tampa and around Tampa, and uh, it was really fun. And so I still actually work with that nonprofit every year at their events. And in doing so, I met a, a small startup that I could uh, work with. And I thought, this is it. I'm going to go take a startup and I'm going to make it explode. And so here's a tip for your listeners. If uh, you want to turn around a startup, March of 2020 is not a good time to do that. Uh, the effects of the pandemic on small businesses was pretty brutal. So um, it was about four months later, we kind of figured out that the, the company wasn't going to be able to afford my salary any longer, and it was time to part ways. And I decided at that point that I, I you know, didn't really want a job. So I started my own gig. I Arte had existed on paper for about a year and a half at that point. Uh, and I said, you know, I think it's time to go build that. So that's what I've been doing ever since uh, about July of 2020. I've been working on, on building Arte as a leadership coaching business and strategic consulting. So that's my path. And it's, uh, it's windy and there's lots of details I left out, but uh, it's been a good one. And I've been blessed to have good people around me the whole time. Yeah, I'll say so. And I know you mentioned the army and I usually say this um, just so our listeners know my brother is in the army also. I think it helps the physics degree because that must've been how you got to that leadership command position because they're going, he's got physics. He has to know how to do everything. He's like, he must Einstein. understand something. <laughs> yeah, he's Einstein. <clears throat> and they're not far from that. They're pretty accurate. You are like Einstein with a sense of humor. I don't think he had the same sense of humor, honestly. But I, I, I think Einstein said a few funny things uh, that, that I always uh, like to, I enjoy. But, you know, he said things like, you know, everybody's a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, he would think he's an idiot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I kind of see Einstein is a little bit like Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. It's probably true. Yeah, probably. Yeah, pretty sure. So you wrote this book. And why don't you share with our listeners the name of the book, and then how they can purchase it. But let's save that. So they you know they're they're intrigued with being able to buy it is right there. Let's tell them more about the book. What's the name of it? It is Five Eagles Leadership Insight. So why that name? Yeah, so Five Eagles represents uh, five retired colonels who are 
uh, in the, uh, the private sector now and have translated the leadership that they learned in the military into the civilian world to great effect. And the whole idea spawned on, on creating leadership offsites for corporations to meet with five retired colonels and talk about leadership and talk about, you know, there's, there's different levels of leadership, there's different styles of leadership, and there's different principles. So we sat down and talked about what are the, what, what would, if we had limited to five principles, what would they be? And the first one was leadership insight. Uh, that you have to be able to see the world around you with clarity. Mm -hmm. And so seeing things clearly and understanding how your own biases and assumptions and mental models might be holding you back from seeing what's really around you. Mm. And so that's what the first book is about is challenging what we think well, we know after or the first you said the whole, the, the whole first book uh, is, so this is going to be a series of five books. Okay. The next one's coming out in a couple of months, uh, depending on how brutal my editor is. Uh, but uh, that one's going to be on self-awareness. The third one's on strategic thinking. The fourth one is on leadership skills. And the fifth one is leading through culture. So those are five principles that I think encompass most things that leaders need to know to go from being a good leader to being a great one. Hmm. So tell us about the first book then. Tell us more about it. So, so leadership insight is about seeing things with clarity. And, and, you know, we have mental models that we apply. Our brains are basically lazy. We don't want to have to figure things out more than once. So once we have something figured out, we apply that to whatever situation is similar. So the nuances of new situations or as the world changes, sometimes those models get outdated. Mm-hmm we very rarely update them on our own unless something really forces us to do so. Yeah, that's true. So these are kind of our theories about the world and our assumptions about things. And we often don't know why we came up with particular assumptions or theories, but we hold on to them dearly, mm -hmm. uh, even when they are, are probably wrong or outdated. And if you think of a theory like a map, right? So if you're, if you're following a map through, uh, you know, the woods or something and and you get to something that's not on the map. There's a road through the woods that you, that's just not there. Mm -hmm. So there's a difference between your, your map, your theory, and reality. And when there's a difference, which one is wrong? It's probably not reality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So maybe your map is outdated. Maybe our mental models are outdated. Maybe the assumptions that we make or the theories that we have are outdated. And how might we know that? And how might we update those? You know, I was listening to this uh, show, they were talking about how adults learn. And what you described at the beginning, it's very accurate. And while I learned this in my PhD courses also, adults learn based on story building. And it's exactly like what you were saying. So it's not necessarily, I don't know if I would call it lazy, but it's just principles of learning for sure. So they learn this and then they're trying to understand it. So they have to connect it to something that they know, that they understand. And then they'll say, well, is it like this to be able to see if they're on the right place? People, as they go through an aging process, as we get older, we've learned quite a bit. And it's only through key, I guess I would say, not life-changing, but it has to be something that is actually a very big momentum time because we've experienced so much in life that it makes it so that, well, we've already learned that, we've learned that, we've learned that, and there's variations of it. But 
for it to be something that's different, we have to have a different experience while we're learning it. So, and it actually was something, no, it was Jeff Goldblum. That was it. It wasn't like something I read, Jeff Goldblum. And so they talked about this and I went, you know what, that makes sense because when you are, you know, 70, 80 years old, you've done a lot of living. So you have to experience things new. And I've known some people that go and they jump out of an airplane because what the heck, they have something new that they're trying. And we are less likely to try new things as we get older. So I'm wondering if that is part of when you are writing the rest of the books, if those are the things that are being connected because it's generational learning and how people learn and how they may not want to necessarily pick up a new skill because they go, oh, I'm content with where I am. And I love the fact that your fifth one, your fifth word that you described yourself is continuous learner, because that's really where we all need to be. Yeah. So, so there's a lot to unpack with what you just talked about. It's great. Sorry. Um, and, and, and it's well-documented exactly what you're saying. Daniel Pink has a book called the whole new mind that talks about how do you keep your brain uh, from digging in channels that are too deep. Right. So, so it, this neuroplasticity, how do we keep our, our brains capable of, of learning new things and doing new things. And so they don't calcify. Uh, and, and it's really trying new things, reading things that you wouldn't normally read, uh, doing things in a new way. Uh, but to, in order to do that, you have to uh, admit to yourself that maybe the way things I'm doing are, isn't the only way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe it's not the right way. And maybe the opinions that I have or the beliefs that I have or the theories that I have are outdated or are wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and they change over time, right? Exactly. So, so what was true, you know, maybe a hundred years ago, because that's all we knew uh, is, is now outdated. And there's, there's a ton of, of examples of that. You know, we used to think the world was flat at one point and then, mm-hmm. uh, and still today there are people who, who think that, uh, Columbus thought the world was flat, or the people of Columbus's time thought the world was flat, which wasn't true. Uh, plenty of people knew it was round. They just didn't know how big it was. Yes. You know, and, and we, of course, still have the Flat Earth Society here. Uh, <laughs> or the other day, they have, they have uh, little chapters all around the globe. And I'm like, globe? Oh, never mind. Um, <laughs> little conflicting verbiage. I, those, uh, but can we consider that we might be wrong. And, and that is, is something I talk about in the book as well. Uh, and it's based on, on Catherine Schultz's book, Being Wrong, uh, it, it, which is a fantastic uh, book. And she's got a TED talk that's worth listening to as well. Uh, but the idea of being wrong, uh, you know, do, do you call what it feels like to be wrong? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, normally we don't, we feel, we, we only sense that when we are proven wrong. Mm-hmm. When we know that we're wrong or when someone challenges us right but if if up until that point you think you're right correct and it feels like being right mm-hmm. and then when you find out you feel foolish like oh i believe this all along mm-hmm. well if that happens to us and we can all acknowledge that that's happened to us what else are we holding on to that we're so adamant that we're right about mm-hmm. that might be wrong mm-hmm and so there's this openness, this, this, can I question my theories and my worldview? 
Mm-hmm. Can I question, can I figure out where my biases are coming from and where they're applying to my decision-making as a, as a person and as a leader? Because you know what? I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. And I've heard a lot of leaders, well, oh, I might be wrong about this, but here's my opinion. They don't really mean it. I would really like to hear that sincerely. I might be wrong about this. Mm-hmm. And so let's go look for evidence of that that I might be wrong, because that leads to that openness of understanding that the world might have changed around us. Some of those old facts may be outdated. Mm-hmm. Right. I agree, because there's this place where I go, and because our show is video, but it's also auditory, you know, if you hold your arms out all the way, stretch them all the way out, if that's like all knowledge, how much does anybody, one person know Put your hands together like in a prayer. That's how much you know. And it's going to be changing like this every single second, every single second that we're on earth. Yeah. And 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 I, I love to learn. I'm a voracious reader. I read uh, you know somewhere between 40 and 50 books a year. Uh, I wish I could read more, but I have a day job. Uh, it's, it's so uh, interesting, the world is, and the people in it. And to think that you... You've got it figured out, I think, is, is the height of uh, hubris. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and so we need to have this humility about us. We have to understand we might be wrong and that our theories might be outdated. And then we need to challenge ourselves to, to update them. Mm-hmm. So these other two volumes, um, well, I, I don't know if it's volume, but uh, series, books in the series, two, three, and four, and five that are going to be coming up. These are all people that are still living, I'm presuming, these five eagles, these leaders. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the the eagles that, uh, and I, I, in in truth, talked to about 25, I interviewed about 25 uh, colonels to to distill it down to this, but I have a, a stable of colonels that are standing by to come and explain each of these principles to to clients when we do leadership offsites with corporations so yeah they're they're alive and well and thriving in private industry hmm that's really interesting did you um and they're okay with obviously with sharing this because they all get mentioned in there did you see that when you were writing this book um did it help you along the way to to understand yourself more because I would think so. Right. But yeah. So, so you have a lot of ideas and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can write a book about this. I told somebody about a year ago, I could write uh, you know, one book with all five principles in it. I'll have it done in two months. So it's way harder than that uh and and so i have a newfound respect for every author who's ever published i don't care if it was a bestseller or if you only sold copies to your mom's church group does not matter god bless you for going through the effort of doing that it's humbling because you have all of these ideas bouncing around in your head and they make perfect sense to you there Mm -hmm. but as soon as you put them on paper they seem to be all jumbled it's abstract Yeah, it's because that's the way your brain works. It's okay being all jumbled. You can see it clearly from inside, but to put it on paper and try to explain it so that another human being can get a glimpse inside your your head is much, much more difficult. So did uh, so, you have yeah. somebody helping you write it or was this all you? So I, I wrote the, the whole book and then uh, then shipped it to an editor and uh, they they sent it back to me and we went back and forth for, for quite some time. Uh, 
on, on, you know, why did you leave this in or why did you take that out sort of thing. Um, but and then I also had other readers, uh, advanced readers that helped me with their perspective, because one of the challenges for somebody who's grown up in uniform for 32 years is sometimes we have ideas uh, that are, are readily communicable to other soldiers or other military people. Uh, and those ideas don't really stick in the civilian world. I, I used phrases that people didn't understand. Uh, and I thought that everybody understood them. And so thankfully I had some, some good friends that were willing to, to spend enough time on my book to say, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, and jargon is a real thing, right? Even, and, even those of us that have been working for, for a couple of years out of uniform with civilians, uh, I was caught today saying something and, and, and like, what are you talking about? And I went, I talked to another veteran. I said, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that I've been in some of those meetings or like, it's very humbling to go to like ITSEC or any of those things where the military gets together and I go, I have no idea what this acronym stands for. It is impossibly hard for me to even follow this conversation yeah. because there's a lot of acronyms. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, so 32 years in the military. What was your rank when you retired? I retired as a colonel and that's the symbol, the, the, the rank insignia for for a colonel is an eagle. And mm -hmm. so that's where the, uh, the, the term five eagles from, they're all, all retired, uh, uh, either colonels or Navy captains is the equivalent. Uh, and so I have from all high different up. services. Is that as high up as you can go in the military, in the army? Uh, that is the last rank where you are, uh, <laughs> we, we like to laugh, so the last rank where you're useful. The rest of them are generals. Um, okay. And, and so we're, uh, so it, yeah, there's four general ranks, uh, brigadier, major general, lieutenant general, and then general. So one, two, three, and four stars. The colonel is right underneath that level. And it's, uh, you know, when the, the generals get credit for doing stuff, it's usually the staff work done by the colonels uh, that, uh, that accomplish that. So I wanted to stay exclusively with that level. I, I don't, I did not ask you this question, so I know I may, I may be throwing you for a loop. Patton, he was a general, right? Yes. He was the highest rank you can go. Yes. Interesting. I, I did not know that. See, to me, I'm thinking a colonel is higher than a general, honestly. And I went, wow, you're, you're already teaching me something else that was uh, I did not know. I think I told you that my brother is a warrant officer five in the army. That's as high as you can go in the warrant officer ranks. And it's very impressive to have achieved that. Yeah, I've been told that by many, many people. And apparently it's really like rare. There must be, I don't know, maybe two people is what I'm thinking in the United States. And he's one of the two. So it's a big uh, There's a couple more than that, but, uh, but they are rare and valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get it too, because he's, he's told some stories, the things that he can share, but there's things he won't share. He says, I'd have to kill you. I think he, I think he means it too, somewhere. <laughs> anyway, going back to the book. So are all of these other volumes going to have different names? Uh, they'll all be five Eagles branded and that's my leadership development program. So my leadership brand, so it's five Eagles leadership and uh, they will also, the next one will be titled five Eagles, the self-aware leader. And it, it'll, it'll be branded that way. Um, 
it's it's a way of of creating. I I think it's going to stop at five, but uh, I've been told uh, I've gotten a couple of ideas about some other books that people would like me to write on, and uh, I we'll we'll see what happens. I'm going to get these out of the way first. Yeah. Do you have workbooks that go with them? Is it part of what you're doing in your consulting business? Uh, I will probably eventually get to that, uh, but uh, I want to get the content out there first. Yeah. I can imagine that takes quite, I've not written a book. I've done studies. I've done things like that. I've written, you know, lengthy articles that have been published, but not a book. And, you know, I want to, well, I, okay. I'm going to take that back. Yes. I have written a book. It's a children's book, um, but it doesn't fall under like this type of a category. And I, I think that, um, is there a certain page number that means it's a book versus like an ebook or anything? Now, I'm not sure who governs that. I know, uh, you know, if children's books uh, probably has its own criteria, nonfiction books. Uh, the, the, the key to page numbers for publishing is it's got to have enough pages for, for the binders to have a spine on it. Mm. So if you don't have a spine on it, then uh, you, you have to find a special publisher and, and Amazon uh, direct publishing won't, won't even look at it. So you have to have a minimum. I don't remember the number, but I was over that. So, mm, yeah. So where people, where can people buy this book? I presume it's on your website, right? It is a link to, to Amazon is, is where it is. I don't have direct selling set up yet. Uh, that might go to that eventually. Uh, right now I'm actually not promoting the book very, very much. Because uh, I'm so busy writing and servicing my clients that uh, I haven't had time to promote the book much. So I'm grateful for you for a few moments to talk about it. Uh, okay. But it's on Amazon and both in the Kindle and in a, in a paperback. Yeah, I was looking it up on Kindle. I think it was free for me, but um, that the cost was affordable, definitely. I'll go ahead and uh, purchase one because I want to be able to you know, read it and be able to make some comments to have an intelligent conversation um, in post-edit of this show, um, just to bring more value there. Have you been on Enrique's show, Enrique Acosta Gonzalez? No. He has a podcast too, and he also does leadership. You two would be, we talked last week, I was on his show, and we talked forever all about leadership. So you guys would totally be in the leadership groove together. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah. Hey, do you know him? I'll introduce no, you. No, no, I don't know him. Oh, well, his podcast has won uh, some awards in leadership. So he's the guy to connect with for sure. Very cool. Yeah, really good. Um, I think... I can't remember. I think it was Navy he was in. I'm not sure. Don't hold me to that. Okay. So publishing on Amazon, how hard is that? It's actually not that difficult. Uh, the, it's getting getting the, the cover correct, getting the layout correct, but they have videos that show you how to do it. And the easy answer is you can hire somebody to do your layout for you and to do all of your cover design. And uh, that, that eliminates a lot of the headaches, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but I did, I, I, I was, when I did my first layout and before I published, I ordered some author's copies. And when they came back, the margins were all wrong. And, and mm -hmm. uh, it was my own fault. I set it up wrong. Um, but I learned a lot from that which is great. So, so now I'm smarter at one thing in my life. And uh, so when I put out the next one, I was so sure I was right. I ordered 50 copies and it turned out great. Oh, good. That's really good. 
All right. So I'm going to get uh, one that's all been formatted properly. So that's yes. nice to know. Okay. Very nice to know. I can see that this would tie in very nicely with your consulting business and, you know, the co coaching side, because that's why I was asking about workbooks. I could see it being something that could either be self-guided or as easily as being done and facilitated in a, a workshop format. So I really do hope you, you do that. Um, some really great activities that would help encourage people to, to grow. Um, I read some of the feedback that you already had, and it's all very positive. So that's super good. That, you know, is always make, makes it feel very validating that people like my book, right? Yeah, I, I was, I was uh, very pleasantly surprised at how well received it was. And, and uh, you know, for, for anybody else who's read it out there, feel free to leave an Amazon review. Uh, it's uh, very, very important for authors oh, to get uh, enough reviews on there. Uh, your, your sales go very different direction after you have, you know, 15, 20, 30 positive reviews. Uh, if you don't like the book, uh, you, you can skip the review part. And next time you see me, I'll buy you a beer. Ooh, people might say, well, maybe they just want a beer with the author. Yeah, let's, let's spin it in another direction there. <laughs> can be, oh my gosh, I'm going to give you my book. Let's go get a beer and sign my book. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Um, all right. So what is your favorite leadership quote? Is there somebody that you always go to that's your go-to leader? Yeah, there really is. And I, it's probably the most inspiring military leader I've ever read about uh, that most people have never heard of. His name is Fox Connor. And Fox was, uh, right, you never heard of him. He's, he's the most famous general no one knows. Um, Fox had a, a, a habit of picking up uh, people he, he would he would uh, find young officers. He was he was a general uh, at the end of World War One and, and served in the interwar years. But he would latch on to young captains and majors and kind of help their careers out and mentor them and help them think strategically. And he did it intentionally and he did it with with these really elaborate uh, programs that were tailored specifically to those officers. And and you might know. Some of the people that, that he, he mentored, he was the mentor for uh, George Marshall, mm. George Patton, Dwight D. Eisenhower, mm. uh, among dozens and dozens of others. Uh, he is probably the, the architect behind our success in World War II with our senior leaders. Uh, also known to be, uh, but not mentored, uh, Omar Bradley, but they were friends. Uh, so, so Fox Connor is an amazing person. One of the things he told Eisenhower, he says, you know, you, you have to take your job seriously, but never yourself. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's my favorite quote. It's, it's like, okay, I'm a professional and I'm going to do something. I'm going to do it well. I'm going to do it to the best of my abilities. And if I don't have some knowledge, I'm going to go get it, right? I'm going to study the heck out of this. And so I can be the best I can be, but that doesn't mean I'm important. It means my job is. And so when people walk around feeling important, I'm like, okay, um, but what makes you important is, is how you treat other people and mm -hmm. how they respond to your leadership. Uh, so I try to take my job seriously and never myself. Mm, yeah, that is really good advice. Really good advice. Um, in your books, are you using the best list lessons that you learned in the military? Is that woven through these stories also? Yeah, some of it's from the military, some of it's from, from things that I've learned as a, as a strategic consultant with my clients and watching companies. 
so there are some some military examples, and then there's there's some from. Uh, so we didn't talk about my educational background, which I'd mentioned a, a bachelor's degree, but uh, the army kept kept sending me back to to grad school until I got it right. So I have three master's degrees in, wow. in management, operations, and strategy. Um, so. Like I said, I'm a voracious reader, so a lot of the examples may come from uh, research that I've done as well. So I, I like to say I have a good mix of of theoretical uh, and and academic rigor um, with practical application. Mm -hmm. So that's a, a combination that I think is very effective. Mm, yeah, you are absolutely right. So those three degrees, that's amazing right there, because not many people hold that. Are you sure you don't want to be a professor? Because you sound very professorial. I, you know, I've thought about doing that. In fact, I applied to be a professor uh, one time at the Army War College. I thought that's what I, my calling was. And uh, I turned out I was runner up in three different departments. But <laughs> It didn't get the job, uh, but uh, the consolation prize is I got to go run a uh, a four billion dollar uh, company called the Engineer District in in Arkansas, and uh, to me that was such a huge uh, reward and a great experience. Wonderful people and a wonderful mission. Mm. Um, we are going to take just a moment to acknowledge our sponsor, and we will be right back. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. All right. So we are back to the second half of our show with Bob Dixon, and we are talking about lessons in leadership. That's not the name of the book, but I know you go ahead and you share it again with us here. I know you're going to have it perfect. Uh, this Five Eagles Leadership Insight. Yes. And you were just sharing where people can purchase it. It's on Amazon. Um, I feel like you're, and we were just talking about being an educator, a professor. I feel like your um, books would be also really good reading for some of the students at some of the colleges. So I'm going to encourage you to consider that. Uh, if you get to know some of the professors that are teaching there, you could ask them, you know, hey, would you have your students read this? And more than likely they will, because they are always looking for new things for, you know, the students to read. Um, one of my interns recommended a book to me, and I haven't read it. I'm trying to buy it. It's called The Power of Habit. Mm -hmm. You've heard of it? I've heard of it. I have not read yeah. that one. I am telling you, it is impossibly, I could not, well, I could have bought it probably on Kindle, but I like to hold the books. So this one, I was looking in everything that was used and even some of the new, and I could not find this book. And I went, this is on Amazon. This is very, very hard to find. And it's because of that particular, the student referred it to me. I know that a lot of schools are looking for, you know, new books for their students to read. So you might consider that. I, I, I have think, people yeah. I can connect you with. I, I would appreciate that. Absolutely. And uh, I do have a plan to, uh, to get with uh, some of the the school of business that have leadership courses, uh, and so that that is in the the plan. It's in it's in the whole promote your book plan that I haven't got to, but uh, 
one of the neat things about the way I'm writing this, instead of writing one large book with five principles in it, I'm writing short books. And I call them airplane books because you can read them on a, on a, on a right. flight from here to, uh, to DC. You could easily finish this book. Uh, and I think most of the people that uh, have read it so far appreciate that about it. Um, uh, but the comment I got about us, this is, this is packed. It's a short read, but full of lots of great observations and ideas. And I think that was a, a really nice thing for them to say. Uh, but the short book version helps people uh, get the ideas and start thinking a little bit differently about uh, the world around them. And that's kind of the point. Mm -hmm. the, I think it's really helpful that you've gone through this much education because it it had to be useful for putting together a book because it's similar to writing dissertation papers or you know whatever thesis papers that you had to do in the master's program. So it had to be very similar, I think. There, there were some similarities. There was uh, you know less footnotes, uh, which was nice. I didn't have to do a bibliography, but I do have recommended reading on each of the topics. Uh, so at the end of every chapter, there are some key takeaways. And at the end of the book, there are uh, five books that I would recommend to learn more about, about insight. And each of the books, that's, that's just the top five. Uh, on my website, I have a longer list of books if you want to know more about insight and, and uh, books that will help you gain more insight about the world and more clarity in the way you think. Uh, so those are on my website at aratestrategies.com. Mm -hmm. You might want to spell that for our listeners so they know how to spell A-R-E-T-E-Strategies.com. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have that in the post. We're going to be putting the link to your website in there too, for sure. Um, now you had said something else. I'm going to wind it back just a minute to the classroom there. Um when you when you were in there and you said that they're like uh, airplane books, you can read right. it. Does that yeah, mean like what an hour, two hours? How long? My uh, most people have been telling me it's about two hours of reading. Okay, that is very easy reading. Yeah, that is super easy, and that makes them feel that you know they're hungering for more. I would think. Did you leave it with some kind of, and this is what's coming at the end? I actually put it right up front. I said, this is the first of five books and here are the other principles and, and what the, the basic synopsis of each of those are and look for the title soon. So how long does it take to write those is, is my, because you've got a year and I'm thinking you should have all of them finished in this year, right? So that. Oh, the editorial process tends to take longer than, uh, than really? I wanted to, but. Uh, when I started writing, I was writing one book. And so I have a lot of the material for all five of the books already laid out. But I realized that uh, I'm a little bit long-winded uh, before the editor gets me. And uh, I, I realized it was going to be a 300-page book or a 400-page book. And nobody wants to read a 400-page book by an author that they don't know. Yes. Um, and, and unless you're, you know, J.K. Rowling or George R.R. R. Martin, uh, it's not as compelling to hold people there for 400 pages. So uh, it made a lot more sense to break them up and make them smaller. It also lends itself to the leadership development programs that, that I run, uh, you know, a book a month mm -hmm. and, and getting together. Uh, to talk about those things. It gives people plenty of time uh, to get through. So people who are going into leadership development through their companies are typically very busy people. So to write something that's accessible and easy to read, but, but 
thoughtful mm-hmm. uh, and thought provoking. And, and that was the goal. Now, this may sound funny, but I write in margins of my books. Do you have decent sized margins where people, I love to highlight, I love to write in it. I mean, is your book set up that way so people can do it? I, I depends on how small you write, I guess. Um, yeah. I, it does have good margins in it. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. How many pages? Uh, it, it clocks in at about 100 pages, but that's about 78 pages of content. Okay, that's that's helpful to know too. So then you're right, that ends up being a 400 or 500 page book. And then when you break it down to that, that's honestly, because people don't always have the same attention spans as they did 10 years ago, five years ago, maybe even three years ago before COVID. So I think that you've really hit the sweet spot by making it around that 100 page mark. Yeah, and there's a whole category on on Amazon that's called uh, two two hour reads or, or less uh, right. within within uh, business uh, management and leadership. So that's kind of the the niche I'm looking at. Mm. So you've inspired me. I've been wanting to write a book, and so that's why I'm asking a lot of questions because I'm wanting to see like, is it something I can fit into my already overcrowded schedule? So Isabella, you should absolutely write a book. So 80% of Americans have stated at some point in their life, they wanted to publish a book and less than 1% actually have. And you are kind of one of those one percenters. So I know you're going to publish a book at some point. Uh, The key is discipline, right? Write every day, even if you have 20 minutes to write, if you have, if you have an hour to write, but carving it, you have to schedule it. It's got to be part of your calendar uh, so that you get in there every single day. And it's easy for me to say, I have not complied with that for the second book yet. Uh, it's, it's, it's really in a good spot, but I'm, I'm, I need to have more discipline to get it done. And that's what it takes. Yeah, it does. It's like when one book publishes, you celebrate, you go out to dinner and then you're right back into it. Right. right? That's, that's really what my takeaway is. Yeah, I can't lose the momentum right now because no. I think uh, it's, it's if, it, I, I can tell you the moment that the books arrived and I opened it up and I saw a hard copy and it's like, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it that, is. It's like real. It's like real. And, uh, and I think a lot of people would enjoy having that feeling. Oh, gosh. I know the first time, you know, I, one of my goals was to uh, teach at Rollins College. That's where I graduated from. So I was told, oh, you get to create your own syllabus and went, wait, what? You've got to be kidding me. Every place I've ever taught, I've been given the syllabus and said, this is it. And he said, no, you get to pick the books and everything. And I went, for real? (laughs) And so I did. I put it all together. And then I went over to the bookstore and my books were on the shelf. They weren't books I read. I mean, I wrote, but they were books that I was recommending my students to to purchase. And I took a picture of it and I went, this has got to be the most exciting feeling in the world because it was like, this is really my class. And I cannot even imagine. I mean, I think it's got to be pretty much that and more to say, this is my book and it's got my name on it. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it's really kind of cool. <laughs> it is cool because then the next thing is you're going to do a TED talk. That is on the bucket list. I absolutely have a goal of doing a TED talk. Okay, so let me give you a little bit of insight. I'm on the TEDx Orlando leadership team here, and how people get in to do that. Typically, TEDx events do not pick coaches, mentors, or somebody like that. You have to go and find a location that has a theme that is resonating with yourself. 
So we had our last event that we had was home. The theme was home. What is home? So we chose an astronaut to talk about what home is. We talked about non-traditional families. We talked about foster parents. And it's all a different perception of what home is. And so that's what I would suggest. You can go to the TED website. You can look up where the TEDx events are. And you'll be able to see some of their themes. And that's what you're looking for. But if you put down that you're a coach or anything like that, it's going to be like next. So you want to, you can say author. So use that as the way that you get in the door, because that's going to be the most helpful way. And you can talk about something that's definitely in your wheelhouse. Um, But you're, you know, the purpose of TED is always to educate and entertain and it's Mm -hmm. technology, entertainment, and um, the Ooh, it'll come to me design. So that's really the key to it. So look for those things in Orlando. We have not had a TED event for three years and, you know, it's going to be time. I'm going to have to talk to the other people in the group and say, are we going to put one on this year? You know, seems like we should. Okay. But I will keep me posted. I, if I, if I, if I'm not a a right pick to uh, tell you where to go and look. Um, I definitely would say Jacksonville. They have a really strong audience there. So does Tampa, surprisingly. Um, and Tampa is very innovative, but you know, uh, Ocala is also really good. So if you're looking for just Florida locations, but you know, you could end up being in Sydney, Australia, because there's you know the exact topic that you're wanting to speak about. I, yeah, definitely on my list. I want to get these five books under the under the table first, uh, or on the shelves first, and uh, and then I might turn my sights to doing some of those bigger things. Okay, uh, well, I'm glad to hear that. So, what is um, what is it that you're most grateful for? Oh, that's it. My family. Not it. Not even close. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's 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 amazing uh, how much support when when I you know, going through a lot of struggles, uh, leaving the military, by the way, transition from the military after uh, three decades is a difficult thing. Uh, And some people walk right into civilian life and into a job, and I guess they don't struggle, but everybody else I know uh, goes through the Kubler-Ross cycle of grief uh, as they're transitioning out of the military. My my family didn't pause for a second to to just continuously believe in me, uh, that it was going to be challenging and that uh, I might not find the right spot or the right gig for myself. Uh, but they never lost faith that I was going to be there for them and that they were going to be there for me. And so, yeah, I am most grateful for them. Mm, that is, that is good stuff right there. So 2022 is the year of plans. What are your big plans? Uh, well, I got, uh, a couple of things. Uh, I want to get the, the next book out. Uh, and the, I think I want to get both uh, the second and the third volume out this year. And uh, so I'm budgeting about six months for, for each of those, even though I think I could go faster. But I'm also trying to build my business. So that's part of my goal as well. And uh, and I'm taking a vacation to Europe with my family. My uh, oldest is a college senior next year. So when he graduates, uh, in 2023, uh, I no longer control him. And so he will opt out of vacations. And so this year I still have him, uh, because I have the checkbook. So I'm going to force him to go uh, to Europe with the rest I, of the I don't think family. you have so, to force that person. No, it's going to gonna be fine. It's yeah. going to be just and, fine. But, and uh, I'm going to go back to something else. 
we have zero control over people. I sit here and I go, I don't know. He's 17. I'm pretty sure he's kind of going, there's a lot of stuff you don't know, dad. So maybe. Uh, I absolutely agree with that. We have influence sometimes. That is, uh. that is the correct <laughs> verb. Influence. And then let's add that word sometimes. That is so true. So true. I think that, that um, your son would be very, very lucky to go there and experience that. And I'm pretty sure even if he grad, when he graduates from college, wherever he's going, he, he would still take a trip to anywhere with you, no matter what. Well, I, I, I would hope so. Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes people get busy in their lives and we forget uh, that we have these aspirations to do things. And so we put them on the shelf and we forget about them and they get dust on them. And uh, so I've always wanted to bring my family to Europe. I've never been able to do it. And uh, so now I'm, I'm, I'm not working for a big corporation that tells me how much vacation time I can take. Uh, so we're going to go to Europe this year. I think that sounds uh, super fun. I'm seeing something kind of like a vacation with Chevy Chase in it. <laughs> It'll probably end up like that. Look, kids, Big Ben. <laughs> yeah, because you're really funny. And I already see it as being somewhat of a, you know, a humorous, fun trip, you know, for sure. You know, my, my kids all inherited, uh, they were raised on sarcasm and now they're giving it back. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, it's actually fun to watch when, when the four of them get together and they're playing games. It is a constant laugh fest. My abs usually hurt the next day. Oh my gosh. That's, that is a, that's a good family workout there. It is. So when people are laughing that hard, I know exactly what you're talking about. So what do you think? Um, I know we're getting ready to wrap up the show, but COVID here we are in 2022. We're just talking about goals. And what do you think that impact is going to be on the industries as we continue to move forward? Like leadership. I, I've seen a lot of people from the military, they leave and they go into either starting their own business or they're into coaching like, you know, similar and consulting like yourself. So what do you think that's going to be going into, they say post COVID, but I don't think it's post. I think it's just, this is the world we live in now. I, I think I think you're right. Um, we're going to get used to to living with the you know parasites that we have in the world. Uh, we're going to have to. I, I think there's still going to be a lot of people who have, for whatever reason, some of those, uh, doesn't matter what the reason is. If they have a fear about this and they want to stay inside and away and remote, that's fine. It's absolutely fine. But it doesn't mean they don't need leadership coaching. So the ability to do this remotely, uh, I think is going to continue to be a skill set that's needed in the industry. I think uh, people have started attending webinars in, in ways that they hadn't before and interfacing with, with information that way. That will continue to happen. But I think more and more people crave that human connection. Mm -hmm. So I, the clients that I have right now, when I give them an option of doing it remote or face-to-face, -face, uh, you know, nine times out of 10, they're going to say, hey, can you come to the office? Can we sit down in our, in our conference room or our break room or, or wherever? to to be there together one-on-one -on -one. and mm -hmm. i and i feel like there's a lot of power in being able to do that and i think it's going to happen a little bit more this year i think people are coming a little bit more comfortable well yeah. and they're learning how to adapt to it right i think that's part of it is you know the flu everybody always was having to get flu shots well i can't say everybody i did not do flu shots but i know that people would do them and mm -hmm. so now it's more of like health is a big focus 
and how do we travel safely? I'm going to be interested in hearing what you have to say about going to Europe and how many people on the plane are actually wearing masks at that point in time, whenever that is. So yeah, you know. that, that's actually going to be the toughest part. And I traveled a lot over the last two years. Uh, I've, got, <laughs> I've got way too many airline miles at this point. Uh, and, and the worst part was, was being on a long flight someplace and having to wear the mask the whole time. Uh, it's very uncomfortable, but for a good reason. I, I don't mind wearing it as much, but it's, it is uncomfortable. Going over the Atlantic is going to be a long, a long yeah. flight, uh, so that'll be that'll be testing things. Mm. I think they're going to be dropping oxygen masks down on everybody and going, "Okay, here you go. Let's just do it this way because yeah. you know it's easier. Probably <laughs> you've got to wear a mask. You might as well be breathing something that's uh, good for your body, right?" <laughs> For sure. Um, so COVID, I'm glad we talked about that. I pulled, we're only going to be able to talk about one of these things here. I pulled some really good um, thoughts about leadership going into 2030. And this gentleman is David Rock. He was a contributing writer with Forbes magazine. I sure hope you get to write for Forbes. I'm going to put that on your to-do list too. Like okay. <laughs> get one of your articles up there about, you know, leadership, a summarization of all of these um, concepts that you have that have not been written and then post that on Forbes. And then we'll just add that onto your press list. Okay. You know, published writer, Forbes contributor, you know, all of these things. Um, they said that there were four tips that leaders should focus on for the future, like in 2030. And the thing that I think is the most that I think you would agree with is caring about humans at levels that you never imagined. And it's saying that, you know, there's, there's a lot of science behind it, but I'm just going to cut to the chase. Um, it says take one or two of the letters that in this word scarf model, it's status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. And these are the five factors that help leaders maximize engagement that drive lasting performance and help their team members meet one another's needs. I, I sit there and I would still simplify it and just go, just care for people. It's just like scarf. I'm sitting there going, okay, that's a lot more words for me to remember, but just be kind, care, you know? Yeah. So in the, in the military, we talk a lot about taking <laughs> care of soldiers and that is every leader's job to consistently be taking care of soldiers, but you have to look into what does that actually mean, right? It doesn't mean you, you need to, you know, put a, put them in a, in a nice uh, room, like a, you know, a five-star hotel and put a mint on their pillow. Well, that's taking good care of soldiers. No, for, for our business uh, in the military, it's tough, realistic training to make sure that they're prepared to do the job that they need to do uh, and to, to come out, you know, to survive on, on a battlefield. Um, so, so taking care of people doesn't mean coddling them. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think there's a, 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 a misnomer sometimes when people say, oh, I care for my people and I, I, I bring them food and I take them out to eat or I give them bonuses. Those are wonderful, wonderful things to do. And to challenge them. But are you challenging them? Are you giving them the autonomy? I noticed autonomy is on there. Are, because people, I heard somebody today that an employee say, I feel really valued today. Mm -hmm. I feel appreciated today. And it wasn't because somebody gave him a, 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 an applause or an award or anything. It was like, because somebody listened to an idea that he has. Right? Yes. Feelings and heard. So that to me is, is, is taking care of people, training them so they can be great 
at their job mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. taking care of people. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the level. And I agree with it. Care about humans, a label you, you haven't imagined. Can you figure out how to help your people be so successful that they can leave your organization? Mm, yeah. Treat them so well that they won't. That is exactly right. It goes back to like what my opening tip of the week is, is to really be an intentional listener. Like to me, I would love to know that somebody is listening to me with that type of attention. I'm going to use that word again, intentional and attention, because I know that I have a thousand things hitting me right now. My phone is blowing up over here. I've got something that's going on on this side of the room. And then there's something going on outside of this window. And then I'm also having this conversation with you. Every single one of those events, I'll call it, is vying for my attention. So if I turn my phone upside down and if I had a blind, close the blind and then, you know, covered the monitor, less things that are there. Being able to give that kind of attention to, to a person, that means everything to me. I definitely would feel heard, I would feel seen, and I would feel that I was valued. Yeah, it, you used another term when you first, uh, in, the, in the introduction area, when you said uh, suspending judgment. Yes. Uh, and to me, that is, are you listening to somebody so that you can find a flaw or you can look for a coaching point or you can win an argument. Is that what you're doing when you're listening to somebody or are you really setting aside your opinion, your bias, your assumptions for just a moment to really connect with a person that's trying to share their knowledge with you mm-hmm. or their opinion with you. So if you can suspend that jump and it's hard, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. But if you can do that, you're going to connect with other human beings on a different level. Mm-hmm. Right? You're going to start to see that maybe, even though you disagree with them, their point is valid. Mm-hmm. So I, I I loved your description in the in the uh, the introduction section. Your My tip of the week, yeah. Every week it. I share a tip. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, best mentoring advice that you want to share with our listeners? Ah. Uh, well, if you're going to be a mentor, <laughs> uh, I've got advice for you there. Uh, be be a, a mentor like Fox Connor, right? There's a reason yeah. you have not heard of Fox Connor because he never sought credit. It was always about the people that he was helping. It was always about helping people be the best at their job and not worrying about whether or not you were getting credit for it. And if we can do that, if we can selflessly give to other people, uh, it's amazing what they'll accomplish. And that, that warm, fuzzy feeling that you get right here when you see one of your protégés take over as the Supreme Allied Commander of Europe. Uh, so maybe we won't all have that, but, uh, but we will have the next CEO or the next vice president or the the next manager or director supervisor because they're doing it on their own and you don't need credit for that mentors you you get that and that's that's going to be a, a great reward for you uh, so i would say be like fox is is my my uh for all leaders and all leaders should uh, strive to be mentors well 
his name is super cool. So Fox, I'm sitting here and going, I don't even know who named that child. It wasn't one of the Kardashians, but you know, he's before <laughs> Kardashian popularity, but I love the name. And I just was Googling his, uh, and there are books written by, you know, about him for sure. I would think that that's going to be in a part that's woven through all of your, your books that you're writing. So I look forward to that. Um, okay. So how can our listeners find you, contact you, all of that. And I see your book. It's in the background behind you. It is. Yeah. Pull that up and just kind of put that up there. So yeah, uh, that is uh, five Eagles leadership. And, uh, and I think the margins, uh, the margins look okay. So (laughs) yes, they are. Those are doable. Yes. Yeah. So um, you can get this on, uh, on Amazon. And uh, you can find a link for that on my, my website, which is rta-strategies.com. And uh, an easiest way to find me is on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm, I'm Bob Dixon, and uh, the email associated with that is bobdixon31 at gmail. So that's probably the easiest way to find it. Okay. Uh, and hopefully there'll be, uh, we can put a link in there to my LinkedIn page. Uh, oh, so. well, we do that at the end of the show. Perfect. Um, so that oh, people always know how to visually see it because sometimes the names may have a string of numbers after it or whatever. Um, but we will also have that in the social posts. So yeah, people will find you for sure. Very cool. Mm. So I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Cat5 Studios. Thank you to our production team, our video interns, Chase McDowell, David Ullman, Efren Suarez, and Keisha Perez. Music is by Sophie Lloyd and sound effects by Eric Peterson, Matt Miller, Dave Francis, and Miguel Centra. You can visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusion culture while scaling your people for the future of work. Thank you so much, Bob, for being a guest on the show. This was delightful. And it was a deeper dive than cybersecurity that we talked about before. Uh, Yeah, I I appreciate uh, you having me on for sure. I am so looking forward to seeing you at uh, at our next Synapse Summit in Tampa on uh, February 17th. And uh, hopefully you're going to be at the VIP party the night before on February 16th. Uh, We'll be really happy to see you I'm going to. I wasn't even paying attention. I, I didn't. Did I get an invite? I don't know, but I will be there. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, you take care and have a lovely evening. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye-bye.